In this week's update, 2024, as good as the fundamental environment gets. A huge week for uranium. The last drinks on our discounted offer. My name's Gary Davis. As always, this is general advice only. And please remember to like and subscribe to the video. All right, let's just have a quick uh, overall perspective on why 2024 is setting up so well. And it's it's a combination that you don't get very often. Uh, we've got rising earnings in the US. We've certainly got almost certain lower interest rates. It would take something quite monumentally different uh, to change that outlook. And we've got modest economic growth. And whilst it's only modest, at least it's not a recession. And normally you would have a recession um, at this stage of, at the end of an interest rate hiking cycle. So that's fundamentally why 2024 is setting up so well. And so what that means is that stocks that are justified to rise, the ones that have got the growth and the valuation and all the reasons why they should go up, can do so. They don't have headwinds. I think it's reasonable to expect that we're going to see some significant rotations from time to time between sectors and, um, and individual stocks within sectors. That's pretty much always the case, but we've certainly had some sectors and stocks that have run pretty hard and some sectors, particularly um, in the small cap area, that have been left behind for a number of years. So I see it as both a, a danger and an opportunity. It's a danger if you stay too long with, um, you know, with your brain in neutral and just expecting the current trends are just going to go on and on. But it's also an opportunity for those that are more alert to the extremes that can take profit into strength and are prepared to buy into you know, quality stocks and buy into weakness. So for me, stock selection has never been more vital. It's always important because if you've been watching these videos for any length of time, you know that I'm not a diversification man. I'm a, um, I'm a stock picker, um, a high conviction portfolio type of uh, investor. So stock selection is always important, but I think never more so than now. Um, artificial intelligence, I mean, there's, there's just so many really strong mega trends that, uh, that are out there, but AI certainly tops the list. And I think the commercialization in, in new and different areas is going to have a, a massive impact on certain industries and, and in particular certain companies that, that do it well. And I think we're going to see the impacts of artificial intelligence much broader than what we've seen up to date. So turning to American stocks now, the S&P rose 1.85% across the week. Um, the CPI didn't do hardly anything to change the expectations about Fed policy. It was it was slightly higher than what was expected, but no big deal there. For me, the, the, the health of the market is always a lot about liquidity. It's hugely about liquidity. And apparently there is around five and a half trillion US dollars or around eight trillion Australian dollars in cash sitting in money market funds. It's poised to invest as long as the you know, the outlook appears to be comfortable, and that certainly is, is the case. And increasingly, more and more commentary is, is turning to what I've just gone through, the way that 2024 is setting up. So 
you know, with that amount of money, it's got to go somewhere and it might push the market into, into some pockets of overvaluation, but it's also going to have an impact on a lot of stocks that are undervalued as well. So that's another reason why I think 2024 sets up so well that not only are the fundamentals appealing, but there's this massive mountain of cash that, um, that is going to be put to work. Earnings growth is almost certainly going to be uneven. We're going to have some stocks that are going to do outrageously well in terms of earnings growth and other stocks that are really going to struggle. And they're going to be the stocks that don't have pricing power. The US dollar index uh, was flat at, at 102.5. Uh, the yield got up above four and then backed off again to 3.94. Uh, the VIX was up 13.5, dropped back to 12.5. And the 10-year, two-year spread continues to, um, to contract back towards um, even. So we're still slightly negative, but um, it's only, uh, it's less than, uh, negative 0.2 at the moment, so getting getting pretty close to um, to an even outcome there. Let's go and look at some um, let's go and look at some charts. So we'll start with the uh, the S and P on a weekly chart. So you can see we're knocking on the door of a major major uh, double top with January of 2022. So for two years, the S and P has been underneath that peak. Uh, we had a little crack at it a couple of weeks ago, um, and then we got the first week of the new year was was releasing uh, releasing some of the um, surge that we'd seen into the end of December, which was probably always a bit over overdone. And then uh, we had quite a good good week last week, so that's really encouraging. Only one down week, and it's having another crack at it now. So this does look poised to um to break out but look play it as it comes don't get any preconceived ideas in your mind it's the best way to do it if we look at so this is the S&P and that's obviously heavily influenced by the major tech stocks the magnificent 7 have has an impact on it. but let's remove the impact of that by looking at the equal weight S&P 500 so we're not up at a major double top but it is making ground. So that gives you a better idea of the breadth of the market. So there's a, there's, a, you know, more stocks in the top, um, in the S and P 500 that are making a, a contribution. And if we look at small caps, the Russell, now it's also lagging further, but again, just making signs of wanting to, to break out of this range that it's been in, um, since August of 2022. So the breadth of the U.S. market is um, is certainly increasing. All right, let's. Uh, this is the uh, S and P versus the Russell. So that sort of depicts it a little more graphically than looking at two individual charts. So you can see that for a long period of time, um, the S and P. There was a period here from. 2020, March of 2020 to February of 2021, when small caps did a massive catch-up. So this ratio fell. That meant that the S&P was not going up as fast as small caps. But once we got down to the bottom in March of 2021, which is when interest rates you know, started 
making their uh, their rise or certainly the expectation around the rise started to occur, then small caps started to underperform again quite dramatically. And you'd have to say with higher highs and higher lows, that hasn't really changed yet. Um, there's no confirmation of it. But maybe this pull, this very sharp pullback here is the start of a topping formation in this ratio. And we're going to start to see small caps outperform. I think at least quality small caps are going to. NASDAQ versus the S&P still rising, still outperforming, which is what you want to see. You want to see the more aggressive sectors and in particular semiconductors versus um, the S&P as well. So this is looking all extremely healthy. Relative comparison charts, we had a big surge in um, XLK, the technology sector, big, big dip at, uh, at the first week of the, the year and uh, a nice rebound in the week just gone. Otherwise, the, the changes of, uh, or the order, if you like, of, um, of movement of these indices is still pretty much the same. And energy bringing up the rear, and I'll have more to say on the energy sector shortly. So that's the US market. The Australian market, healthcare has been outperforming throughout the last quarter by a significant margin, and that was after it underperformed for, uh, if we go back to the previous uh, 12 months, you can see uh, healthcare spent most of the time down here. This is healthcare down here in the green. So it was a significant underperformer, but now it's certainly improving significantly in in the last quarter. So we'll just go back to that again. Um, otherwise, again, nothing much has changed. Energy uh, bringing up the rear. So that's the way that um, that the US market is, is setting up. If we look at the Australian market, the Australian dollar, uh, low 66s. ASX 200 was basically flat, hardly, hardly moved during the week. We had the lowest headline CPI in two years at 4.3, dropped from 4.9. So that really does take the pressure off the RBA. But look, you know, who knows? And I'm not about to predict what the RBA is going to do in terms of interest rates. Um, if we look at the Australian index, it's stalled at a major multiple top. Just keep reading. So if we look at the ASX 200, um, you can see major top here, um, August of 2021, and then January of 22, April of 22, February of 23, and now we're back there again. So uh, interesting to see what uh, what's going to happen there. If we look at uh, materials, materials have certainly come off a bit. That's a daily chart. Let's just look on the weekly materials. Just trying to break out, lost some ground the last couple of weeks. And uh, if we look at uh, finance on a weekly chart, looks looks pretty similar, but finance is still below the highs of 2007. So that's really interesting. You know, so many investors just, you know, blindly are in the banks because of the dividend, the fully frank dividend yield. and it's such a limiting way to look at the market. And if you want to look at it from a capital gain perspective, well, there's been none since 2007. So it's a pretty interesting chart, that one.
Uh, turning to gold now, um, gold on the daily chart recovered on Friday. It's sort of, if you ignore this, this intraday spike, we are forming higher highs and higher lows. So one, two, three. So it, there is some encouragement there. I just wish you to get on with it and complete the breakout. So major highs in August of 2020, March of 2022, May of 2023, and then again in December. But look, a lot of shenanigans went on around that particular 24-hour period from the Sunday through to the Monday. If you look at this, you'd have to say that the, the likelihood is that it continues to the upside. That, that's the logical conclusion. But we'll, uh, we'll see. If we just have a look at the, the currencies, which I omitted. So this is the US dollar. Not a lot of change there, just sideways for the week. And the Australian dollar similarly still, still stuck in this range. And GDXJ, also, just it's just not doing anything. Let's have a look at what a weekly chart. And we've just, we're at the same level that we've been at time and time again. And you can go back to 2019. So the major gold stocks around the world are, are not making any headway from a, um, from a market perspective. Okay, let's uh, just summarize that on precious metals. So 2049 is where gold finished. The next couple of weeks should should tell the story. In Australian dollars, almost 3,100. That's very profitable territory for uh, for just about everybody. And sideways on GDXJ. Turning to other commodities, copper still struggling at 373. So is nickel in the low sevens. Crude oil got up to 74.5 last week, but we backed off a couple of dollars. We're now looking at record production in the US, and the US is now, I think, taking over from, um, from Saudi and from uh, Russia in terms of the exporting pecking order or the production pecking order. We've got a bit of weaker demand over the medium term, and that's putting a lid on, on crude oil prices. But just remember that the long term, still looks very, very robust. The underinvestment is going to run into increasing demand at some point, and we're going to see the oil price, I believe, over $100 in future years and, and comfortably so. The accelerating US production on all indications is set to continue for at least another year, possibly two years. So we may not see the real buoyancy in the energy market for some time. So for me, the big energy play at the moment, moment, of course, is uranium. And we'll get to that in just a minute, or we'll get to it now. Uh, this is a, just a bit of a perspective or follow-up from what I said last week. We're in significant deficit now in uranium, and that's why the uranium price is now above $100. Uh, the stockpiles that have sustained uh, that deficit or uh, compensated for that deficit are now pretty much gone. That's why prices have, have now gone over $100. Wasn't that long ago that we were sort of $30, $40 in terms of spot price for uranium. On top of that, we've got the American Department of Energy have now requested proposals to supply high-SA, low-enriched uranium. 
which the U.S. has been sourcing out of uh, out of Russia to supply the, these these new uh, compact reactors, uh, and the U.S. is looking to ban imports from Russia of this low enriched uranium by 2028. So lots of changes in the dynamics in the uranium market. I've got a got an interesting chart that I'll show you. URA. So this is URA, the overall ETF for uranium stocks. And of course, there will be some stocks that will be doing much better than the ETF. And that's always the case, no matter what sector you're looking at. But you can see massive surge last week. This is a weekly chart, big volumes. We're at, um, we're at a double top with 2021, all-time highs. I think, no, it's not all-time highs. I beg your pardon. We did have more significant highs back here, um, but we're, we're yet to, um, to head back to those sort of levels. But it just shows you the sort of potential that is out there for the uranium market. Now, this only goes back to 2010, which is just uh, pre-Fukushima, but it would be good to have the data before that. But that is a very, very robust looking chart. In fact, it, it's just about perfect, picture perfect in terms of consolidations, breakout, retest, another big consolidation. And now we're having another crack at another um, long-term high. I think it's probably just a matter of time before this, this moves higher. So there's the, uh, the spot copper chart, uh, not looking terribly buoyant, certainly not looking anything like the longer term fundamentals would suggest. Spot nickel looks downright terrible, so not a sector to be worried about at the moment. And there's uh, West, West Texas Intermediate Crude on a five-year chart. So we got up over 100 in 2022-23. Um, but now we're, we're back down around the 70, low 70s mark. So that's crude oil. But as I said, I think the big, the big um, play at the moment in energy is uranium and not oil. Wrapping it all up, um, I, I get a, an odd comment or, or question from time to time. So I, I thought I'd just touch on why, why do I do these Sunday videos uh, in fact, what, you know, why do I run specialist share education at all? You know, why don't I just invest myself? And um, I've, in December, I was able to to detail in general terms the invest the investment process that I have absolute confidence in, which I think is a very effective process, and I think is um, is one that's suitable for most investors. Um, sure, it helps build our brand, but there are other reasons. And I mean, I, I could have lots of time, free time to play golf or, or do whatever I want to do and just focus on my own investing. But I'm in the, the fortunate position that I can make a difference to those who want to commit to doing the investing process properly. And it's a, it's a real buzz. I, I get a source of great satisfaction and, and, um, on you know on on why and a sense of achievement I guess is what I'm trying to say. Well, why else 
would I give up a good slice of my Sunday mornings 50 times a year, been doing that for more than 16 years, unless it was really important to me, you know, I would have abandoned it a long time ago. I just get a lot of very gratifying emails from members about the advancements that they've made. Um, we've had, um, you know, we've, we've had a few people say, oh, you just do this because you make ad revenue on YouTube. Well, guess what? We don't. It's because it's not important. It just doesn't support why I do what I do. Um, I, as I said, I get a great deal of satisfaction from, from giving knowledge back. I've, you know, I, I took a long time to get halfway decent at this, um, probably a, a couple of decades because I didn't have the opportunity of someone that was, that was you know, giving back information and experience. Um, my personal uh, portfolio is very closely aligned with what the Insiders Club model portfolios are. So my money is, is well and truly where my mouth is. My son and business partner, Justin, operates similarly with his super and his trading accounts. So we both have absolute confidence in the stocks uh, that we own and, and the processes that we use. And members benefit from, and some of them significantly because they, they tell us. The Insiders Club discounted offer, which, um, you know, we worked through a, a process of, um, of outlining how and why we do things during December. Um, we're closing at midnight tomorrow night for just because it's not, um, it's not viable for me to, to continue to accept new members. We're pretty much closing the door on that discounted offer because I do put time into helping them get assimilated into the service up front and there's only so many hours in the day so that'll close at uh, at midnight tomorrow night uh, portfolio analysts last week we looked at striking a balance between high conviction and diversification which was a very good question asked by a member um, and i think i provided an answer that is should have been pretty helpful uh, we looked at the long-term growth potential of Chinese retail stocks, and we also um, looked at the the advantage of focusing on businesses that just have large margins for error. You know, the valuation is such relative to the growth that there is a large margin for error there, so that you know when whenever anything little goes wrong, the share price doesn't get slammed. So that was Portfolio Analyst last week, pretty good session, and we got some good feedback on that. So that's it for this update. There's more information on the website, and there's my email address, and I'll be back with you next Sunday. Cheers.